Taves, light circle, shoots and scores! A shorthanded goal for Jonathan Taves! Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! He set it up by Carpenter to slice and he scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Zach Smith enters the Sabre zone, put it down the right wing here. Doc with the back, and he scores! Kirby Doc! Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines concerning your Chicago Blackhawks. Kane now with three, put it across the ring, and shoots, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer from the left circle. Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. I'm your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio. Chris Bowden joined by Blackhawks reporter, weekend sports anchor Joe Brand. Joe, Blackhawks down two games to none in this series. Where have you been watching and what have you been thinking so far? I've been watching at home. Uh, luckily, the past couple of days, it's it's been great because it hasn't lined up with any baseball games. Yesterday, somewhat, it overlapped with the Cubs game. But um, I have been thinking that this is a very good Vegas team. And I know... Didn't what, we know that going in? We though? did. We did. <laughs> and I, I hope Blackhawks fans knew that and they still know that because... That was a game in which the Blackhawks made some adjustments. They increased their physicality. They shot the puck. Maybe not as much as everyone would have liked to. Maybe not as much as they would have liked to. But they made some improvements, and they still couldn't come away with a win. So that's what goes to show you how good this Vegas team is and how little room for error there is for this Blackhawks team in order to move forward. They played their best period of the series. Unfortunately, there have been six periods plus so far. In that second period, in which they rallied from a 2-0 deficit and 3-2 deficits to uh, to tie, got going with what they really wanted to do, whether that was a case of them imposing their will or perhaps Vegas taking its uh, foot off the gas a little bit with what they do so well. But um, uh, that was an encouraging sign, and you know, uh, perhaps... A couple of days from now, when we do our next podcast, we'll be thinking this was the game that they needed to get uh, one shot away, be a third period, be it overtime, to try to make it a series. Um, and now the the real challenge for this team is going to be with back-to-backs on Saturday and Sunday as we record here on Friday afternoon, which is the off day between games two and three, back-to-backs uh, Saturday and Sunday against a team that they have gone 1-8-2 and two all-time against right now. Um, actually, I think that's that's inaccurate too. I think it's they've only had one shootout or overtime loss against the Vegas Golden Knights. So um, it has been a challenge all three years that Vegas is in the league with their style and how the Blackhawks makeup and um, approach is. That third period, uh, I'm sorry, that second period was one to really hang your hat on. But uh, again, there have been six plus periods so far. And Vegas just seems like they can flip a switch whenever they want to, especially against this this Blackhawks team. It may be different against the likes of Colorado, some of the other higher echelon teams in the Western Conference. But uh, when they want to get going, it seems like uh, they have the will and the ability to do that. Well, and they showed that in period three and in overtime and somewhat in, in period one. But I guess that's just getting off to a better start than the Blackhawks did. You keep bringing up the second period being the most promising one, and it's true because, heck, after that first 20 minutes, Hawks are down 2 nothing. I'm thinking they've got no business coming back in this game. But they did. I mean, they, did, they made a lot of improvements. Guys were more physical. You saw more traffic towards the net. You saw 
shots a little bit lower on Robin Leonard because what what was uh, the big part of concern in game one was there weren't enough rebounds. There weren't enough second opportunities for the Blackhawks. They, their lone goal came on that shorthanded beauty by Brandon Saad to, uh, was it Camp scoring it? or Yeah, yeah so, in game one. Right? So, I mean, that was just something that sparked up. That happened in the second period and the final closing seconds when Patrick Kane and Dylan Strome and Alex DeBrinkett are coming down and they finally get that beautiful tic-tac-toe, you know, Blackhawks highlight reel goal. But they rely on those sometimes too much that they forget the fundamentals, and I know we've had this conversation multiple times, but it just comes out to be the case. I mean, that first period, you see Dylan Strom just passing on an opportunity to shoot the puck. Same thing with As Alex the whole Nealon. city of Chicago shouts, shoot! And you know what? I don't want to constantly use that argument, but in Game 1, when Robin Leonard's blade is off his skate, if there's any time to justify the meatball approach of shoot the puck, it's right then and there. Put some pressure on the guy, give him some traffic, and uh, for some reason, they just, again, tried to get too cute with it. But again, yes, there were a lot of improvements. That's the type of game that you hope these young guys really benefited from. And again, this whole playoff scenario is beneficial for these young players. And it really stinks that that's what we're getting to now. It's it's not how can they advance, how can they move forward. Sure, they can. They have an opportunity to. But again, I think the way they adjusted, the way, the way they improved in Game 2 still wasn't enough shows you how much of an uphill battle it is to beat the Vegas Golden Knights. They got some guys going. We were waiting for uh, Patrick Kane to uh, uh, kind of hit the smelling salts, and he certainly did that as he was playmaking with three assists in, in Game number 2. Dylan Strom, one of these guys a little bit further down in uh, the lineup, whether he is top 6 or top 9. He certainly had his best game of the postseason um, it, it, after that... that uh, failure to shoot uh, in the first period, but uh, he seemed to get things together and almost won it. With He dinged one off the post there, and over time he actually raised his stick thinking that that was the game winner. So the Blackhawks had uh, a few more guys going, but you mentioned the starts of games, and the the first periods here, here have been practically repeats of themselves, where the Hawks play well for the first Five to ten minutes or so. They're carrying play. I think they had four shots in the first four minutes of game one. They had a nice solid start in game two on Thursday night. But then it, we, we talked about the, the, the flip switch ability of Vegas. It seems like all of a sudden they hit the midway point of the first period and the, and the, the ice just tilts in Vegas's direction as they seem when they want to take control against this Blackhawks team. They're certainly able to do that. And then they scored two goals in, in less than five minutes to take that two nothing lead. The Blackhawks have never led in this series and fighting uphill as they have the entire series, never having the lead uh, at best tied. Um, that's a tough battle when you're going up against this Vegas team because what George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and, and the Vegas Golden Knights management did in constructing this team, which made the Stanley Cup final in their first year of existence three years ago, and uh, they were dealt kind of a bad hand last year in the playoffs with that controversial call against San Jose. Uh, but here they are again. They didn't really get some traction earlier in the season. That's why they made a coaching move that o- opened a lot of eyes in getting rid of Gerard Gallant and bringing Peter DeBoer aboard. But um, it, it has certainly helped them to this point, and um, it, it's it's a massive undertaking the Blackhawks have now down two games. Now, you mentioned the second period. Let's hear from a couple of the guys afterwards about what happened when the Blackhawks played so well in that second period 
to tie the game at three, but then over the last 27 minutes and 13 seconds until Vegas finally scored the game winner, the Blackhawks were outshot by a total of 23 to seven. Here's Dominic Kubalik and Patrick Kane. I thought we were playing really well uh, the first two periods and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it just seemed like uh, they came out better than us in the third. I don't know if we thought it was going to be a little bit easier than it was, especially after we tied it up, but they're a good team. They're going to fight back and uh, they carried the play for most of that third. So we didn't really generate much. Uh, They're doing a pretty good job, like uh, in their zone, especially that uh, they're pretty tight. You know, it's hard. Like we knew it's going to be a battle, but uh, you still got to find a way to you know, to get the shots through and uh, get those rebounds and get some great, uh, greasy goals because that's uh, that, that's the time when you build the momentum for a game. So you just got to be better with that. Joe, the great news is the Blackhawks got themselves to that position where they were one shot away from winning it in the third and overtime. But I don't know if we ever really got that sense. You clung to that hope, but the way Vegas is able to, you know, impose their will and their style on the Blackhawks in this particular matchup, um, it was almost like, you were on ice, you know. You were you were you were grabbing anything you could to hang on and uh, hope Lady Luck would come through for you, but it, it just wasn't to be. And I'm I'm starting to wonder whether Riley Smith is Vladimir Tarasenko dressed up in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform because he absolutely kills the Blackhawks. Three goals in this series so far, along with uh, he had an assist last night, so five points in the first two games for his career against the Blackhawks. He has eleven goals and twenty points in twenty games. And uh, that's a second line guy. That second line of Riley Smith, uh, uh, Paul Snastny, and Jonathan Marcheseau, uh has been absolutely dynamite against the Blackhawks so well, far the first two games. And another thing to bring up, I mean, didn't the Vegas Golden Knights not have their top two scores for the majority of the game yesterday? With- yeah, Max Pacioretty uh, was... Uh, Unfit to play. Yeah, returned for game number one, and then they decided to uh, scratch him for game number two. Um, so... You know, uh, the fact that Vegas is able to get out to a, a two-game stun lead without their leading scorer, who had 32 goals, 66 points, led the team in those categories, is another bit of uh, humble pie for the Blackhawks. Well, when Vegas nearly won the Stanley Cup in their first year of existence, the common question was, how, how is a franchise able to be this good so quickly? And somebody broke it down once that made the most sense to me was that you get your, your picking from every other team, and you pick kind of a, a middle-tier guy. You're not going to get the superstar from every team. You're not going to get Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, but you're not going to get a, a fourth-line guy either. You get kind of a middle-tier guy. That's what their team was built on from the get-go, and that's why they're able to be so deep, because they have just a very deep roster, guys that, that do the fundamentals, and they, they all come together somewhat with the same, same style of game, or at least a way to mesh all together, and that's why they have been able to be successful their first three years in existence. That's why they're able to be so deep. But going back to it in Game 2, how I said I thought the Blackhawks had no business in coming back in that game, that's because the first goal, okay, Lucas Carlson makes a mistake, but that's still a manufactured goal by Vegas. It's it's a good heads-up play to go in the crease and, and figure something out. Goal number two is another one that you wish Corey Crawford mm-hmm. had. It's probably a goal that he wishes he had. And I'm not here to bash Corey Crawford because after that, he looked great, and he's the goaltender you want, he's the goaltender you need in the situation. But at that point, it's like, okay, they've got all the momentum, It's difficult for the Blackhawks just to get on a run right now. 
And they, they were able to do that in the second period. But here we are again talking about needing that constant approach, 60 minutes, shooting the puck, staying aggressive. I know they're playing a more conservative style against Vegas as opposed to Edmonton. But when you've got the puck, you still have to be aggressive. Golden Knights, uh, if you give them an inch, they will pounce on it. And um, there have been a number of Blackhawks who have given that inch, and uh, they have paid the price. In Corey Crawford's case, it's probably three goals this series so far that he probably would like to have back. You mentioned the second one in game number two. There were a couple in game number one as well, and uh, that's a little bit disappointing from what we saw in game number four against Edmonton. We thought uh, Corey was uh, was beginning to find his mojo, but the other thing that Vegas does, when you look at the hits totals in the first two games, and uh, this is nothing unusual. This is what they do. They just grind you down. 35 hits in game number one. One and game number two, they had 38 hits. Now the Blackhawks, you know, they responded with some physicality uh, of their own when it comes to that particular stat. But you also look at what Vegas, you know, and the Blackhawks got away with this uh, on uh, in game number two on Thursday. So far through five games, the round robin and the first two games of this series, they've outscored their opponents 10-1 to <laughs> in the third period. Now, the Blackhawks got away with it in the third period on in game number two to push it to overtime and, and remain one shot away. But uh, Kirby Dock, who became the sixth Blackhawks teenager to score uh, a playoff goal uh, in uh, franchise history, Troy Murray being one of the other ones, as, as a matter of fact. I heard that he didn't even remember he was a teenager. <laughs> Troy I heard doesn't that. remember anything. I didn't remember that either, though. So I, I didn't even know Troy was a teenager when he made his Blackhawks debut. But uh, a teen heartthrob, I think, uh, is is more the case. But Kirby Doc, uh, who is going to be a Blackhawk for a long time, is going to be a Blackhawk who brings physicality just based on his frame, his stature, Um you know he's going to give he's going to take and he talked about the nature of this Vegas Golden Knights team and their physicality and how it uh, you have to manage that so it doesn't take a, a toll as the game and the series winds on still got their licks and I think we have to do a better job of uh, <clears throat> being smart and protecting ourselves but playing with more speed uh, the more speed we play with I feel like our team uh, is going to have those chances off the rush and uh, once we find the back of the net more times I think we'll be all right Obviously, it's a different team than Edmonton was, and uh, they come at you in waves, and we did a good job of weathering the storm tonight, but uh, we we got to find a way to, to get more pucks towards the net and get our shots through and uh, bang a few in because they're, they, they're pretty good at collapsing down low, and um, once we find our group, I think we'll be all right as a group, but uh, it's tough to swallow this one right now. Obviously, we have chances in overtime to put the game away, but um, it's not the way it went, so we got to regroup fast here because uh, these next two games are coming up quick. Kirby Dacca, one who continues to impress, and he scored his first career playoff goal. He has done very well against the Vegas Golden Knights. If there's one Blackhawk who can uh, put that feather in his uh, proverbial cap, it is Kirby Dock because uh, he came in with two goals, three points in three games this season against the Vegas Golden Knights. He connects in game number two to bring the Blackhawks uh, to within two to one at that point as part of that three-goal second period. Uh, but again, uh, Vegas owns. This is a team that that kind of has the blueprint for what the Blackhawks struggle against, and something that's going to be a challenge to them. And actually, you know, it, it was something that the Blackhawks were even criticized for during their Stanley Cup runs for three times in six years. Would they be able to face up to the physicality? The the one example, the prime example 
uh, that showed that they could was in the 2015 Western Conference Final against Anaheim, which just hammered them time and again. Uh, I think Ryan Kessler's famous quote was, are, you know, are, are they going to be able to withstand this over five or six games? Are they going to be able to stand? Well, they did, and they moved on to their a third Stanley Cup title. But uh, now this is also something that they're going to have to manage moving forward, and especially as you look at uh, who the Blackhawks are on the blue line, uh, with the exception of perhaps, you know, Connor Murphy, if, if Calvin DeHaan is here for another couple of years, there's not a whole lot of size there. And Vegas simply owns the middle of the ice when they are clicking. And they certainly do that against the Blackhawks. It's certainly indicative in the in the all-time record that they have against the Hawks. And that's part of their ability to flip the switch, their physicality, and uh, wearing teams down. Because uh, there have been a number of goals in this series already where... They're in that area below the two face-off dots and uh, between uh, that and, and Corey Crawford, and they've been able to connect. And uh, certainly so far, that's something that the Blackhawks have to find a way to answer. Well, I think the biggest example of that was in Game 1. I think it was the second goal, William Carrier just busting down Matthew Highmore. And, okay, hey, th- these are two different-sized human beings. I get it. That's going to happen. But I believe it was the Blackhawks TV pregame show that broke it down. I, I think it was Steve Conroy just saying, "It's you don't have to out-hit the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't think anyone's expecting you to do that. You, you do have to do a better job of standing your ground, though, and just not letting that play such a factor. I know that's easier said than done, but you bring up the, the Blackhawks of old. They were able to not have this huge physical presence of a team or except for when you had your Ben Eagers and your John Maddens and your Adam Burrishes and things like that because they had so many skilled players that could just skate around and, and play the speed of the game that's not quite the scenario anymore but that was the other thing about the second period that I really liked you saw I mean Connor Murphy's maybe one of their most physical guys but you saw him turn it up a little bit more you saw Alex Dabrinkit get a little bit more physical Kirby Doc as well and we've talked about how he's bulked up during this hiatus but Again, that all has to continue. That all has to last for 60 minutes. The moment you take a pass away, let me take that back. The more you take just a pass off or a a shift off or do anything to give Vegas an opportunity, they're going to pounce. And you have seen that, and it's at its highest example in game number two because the Blackhawks limited their mistakes, but they were still there. Vegas pounced, and they come away with a 2-0 lead. This is an imposing mountain to climb uh, with uh, the Blackhawks facing the Vegas Golden Knights down two games to none in this series. That was, as we mentioned earlier, this was the one game you wanted to get in game two when you fought and clawed your way back to a 3-3 tie to push it to overtime after surviving a third period. But uh, the head coach, Jeremy Colleton, uh, this is a different beast than the Edmonton Oilers because Vegas, they'll just roll four lines. They will roll three defensive pairings. And uh, he talked a little bit more after Game 2 on Thursday night about what the Blackhawks are up against in uh, going up against Vegas' style and the Hawks' ability to persist if they are to come out of this and, and make this a series. they got a lot of size, and, and they want to play sort of that half-court game in the offensive zone. And uh, we've got to find a way to get stops. And then when we win the puck, uh, being clean to get out. I think it's important not to give them you know, extra chances to, to have zone time. So you know, when we were clean with it and able to advance it and, and uh, you know, drive it deep into the offensive zone, you know, get a forecheck going, get zone time, uh, we, I think we, we had some success. But uh, 
you know, as the game, certainly in the third period, we had a little bit tougher time with that. And I thought we were a little passive, um, which, uh, you know, we're playing hard. It's, they're a really good team, but uh, we, we need to keep improving. Again, we weren't unhappy with how we played in game one. I thought we were we were good for uh, a lot of the game. And, and same thing tonight. We just got to find a way to sustain it uh, for the full 60 because uh, they're a really good team and they make you work every time you're out there. Obviously, we want to hold the slot a little bit longer if we're not sure. Um, they were able to they got some good chances out of that. Uh, for most of the game, we're pretty good. Third period, they generate a little bit more. The key is how long can we stick with it? How long can we be persistent uh, when you face adversity? We face some adversity here over the first couple games, and uh, do we have the character to overcome it? It's an opportunity for our guys to, um, I think you, you play all year to be in these games, so now we're here and, and we face some adversity. So what? Just keep playing and believe in what we're doing and believe in the guys in the room and we're going to give them a run. Joe, I've been meaning to uh, mention this on on the pregame show, and I haven't had the opportunity yet, but when you look at uh, the physicality of this Vegas Golden Knights team, now if I can read my small handwriting, that's the other challenge here. William Carrier, over the course of the season, 213 hits. Ryan Reeves, 316 hits. Uh, There are a couple others here. Uh, Braden McNabb, 201 hits. Uh, they bring the lumber, and um, because this team is made up of a lot of guys who probably have that chip on their shoulder from the expansion draft saying, okay, you don't want to protect me, I'm not one of your best seven, eight, nine, ten guys on your roster that you don't feel a need to protect, um, that entire attitude and mindset has has really carried over to the nth degree with this Vegas Golden Knights team uh, from day one. Uh, they have had that chip on their shoulder, and it, you know it's almost kind of uh, a mindset, an M.O., if you will, about what makes them so good. And um, again, you don't get that with the Edmonton Oilers, and now this is an entirely different animal, entirely different beast that the Blackhawks are up against, whether they were going to face the Colorado Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights. And that's it's an intimidation factor, too. I, I mean, it, when, when you get an explosive team, like that, constantly winning battles on the boards and and out physicaling the other team, if that is, even is a word, uh, it's tough. It's tough to bounce back from it. And again, the Blackhawks have shown signs that they can, but it's a matter of how often will they or or prevent it. I, again, you're not going to out hit them. I, I think it's okay to just come to terms with that. But then you got to find a way to either just still stand your ground, withstand hits. Maybe just be a little bit more on your toes. But again, then that gets in your head in terms of the the rest of the game of hockey where you're trying to set up things offensively and, and we're seeing players still a little stagnant to shoot the puck because they, they want to make the perfect play. But it's tough to just play loose like that when you know a, a team that's so aggressive like Vegas is, is right behind you, right on the side of you almost every time you've got the puck. Yeah, playoff hockey shows some true colors here. We're still waiting for Alex to bring it to uh, break out. And I don't think there's any kind of uh, intimidation factor on on his part. He is just having what we were hoping was a you know a frustrating season, not being able to the the pause. It's carried over through the pause, unfortunately, for Alex Dabrinkit. Is he 
you know, an 18-goal guy that we saw this season? No, I think he's better than that. Is he a 40-goal guy that we saw a year ago? I'm not sure if that's going to be something you're going to see consistently. But I think Alex Dabrinkit, uh, he knows he has more he can potentially bring to the table that the Blackhawks need right now. I think it's just one of those uh, years for Alex. Uh, Dominic Kubalik, is, you know, when you look at the first first couple of goals on, in Game 2, it's two rookies, Dominic Kubalik and Kirby Doc, who are able to convert. And Dylan Strom, the light finally went on for him uh, in Game 2. We hadn't really seen him since the opener against Edmonton. He's been kind of quiet. So when it comes to some of these young players, you're seeing some encouraging signs. Yeah, you want to see more from an Alex Nylander if the Blackhawks still have uh, big hopes for him, although he was demoted a bit to the fourth line in Game Number 2. And some other guys you're, you're hoping to step up and the kind of players that you need during the course of a playoff run uh, when, when the top guys aren't clicking necessarily. And Jeremy Carlson and the coaching staff made an interesting decision for Game 2. Uh, Adam Boquist has had a, a very uh, a bumpy and a very... I guess 19 year oldish uh, type of playoff so far. Uh, he doesn't have the, the frame and the stature of, of Kirby Doc. I'm not sure if he has the, the confidence and the swagger that Kirby Doc has, but he's been on that number one pairing and done by and large a pretty good job with Duncan Key throughout the entire season. But I think he's, uh, learning, uh, the ropes, uh, kind of uh, the difficult way that, that playoff hockey is an entirely different level and you're going to have to be cool, calm, and collected, not be the deer in the headlights. So Jeremy Collison, after the game, uh, game two, he, he gave every indication that, that Bocas would be back for game three, get another opportunity. He just wanted to allow the kid to, uh, you know, uh, take a rest, maybe uh, watch a game from, from high above. Saturday will be his 20th birthday, and uh, you hope there's a huge upside for Adam Boquist with where he was drafted. He's shown signs of that as he's you know primarily focused here in his rookie season on the defensive end of things. He really hasn't cut loose offensively, playing it more cautious. But um, Lucas Carlson got his opportunity. He was a minus two. This is what happens with young defensemen in the playoffs, especially against a team like the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, and that's the unfortunate thing because we brought it up earlier. That first goal, Lucas Carlson probably makes the wrong move by going to the side of the net to try and break up the play when he should have been hanging back, or at least, I mean, Eddie Ilchek broke it down. Put your stick down, make sure that pass doesn't come up to the crease. You would think somebody like Lucas Carlson would understand to make that type of play. So it's unfortunate that that's what happens. I don't think that... If Adam Boquist is in this game instead of Lucas Carlson, you're talking about a totally different outcome. There were a lot of other things that did not go in the Blackhawks' favor. I mean, you already mentioned Dylan Strom's shot that went off the post that would have probably been the game winner. There were a couple things, though. Alex Dabrinkit, I mean, we've talked about his struggles. He ended up having a better game yesterday. He, uh, His line had a lot of shots towards the end of the contest, but there were a few times where he had open looks, and he just kind of waysided it. Um, so there's still a few ticks off with him. Hopefully he's turning into the right direction. Something else they broke down for the pregame show for the Hawks was, again, I think it was Steve Conroy saying... Wait, with, you're not listening to the radio pregame show? Oh, I, I switch back and forth. You know that. <laughs> no, I do. I seriously do. I seriously have my computer on, and when they go to break, I listen to you. When you go to break, I listen to them. Okay. I Sorry, I don't have as many examples to show. <laughs> wow, wow, you really put me on the spot here. Um, he was talking about Duncan Keith's ability with Adam Boquist opposed to somebody else. And he said when he's on the same defensive line with Boquist, he's a little more hesitant to get things going because he's working with a 19-year-old. 
you get Duncan Keith maybe playing his more style of game when you get more of a veteran alongside with him. I guess you maybe saw that. It's Jeremy Colleton's decision. The other thing, I, I did like the line changes they had with moving high more up. You kind of credit him for what he's done uh, in these playoffs so far. You get that Dylan Strome, Alex Dabrinka chemistry a little bit back. You did see it, especially on that goal in the end of the second period. But but I, I'm glad that Colleton is, is making these moves and making these steps based on the performances in the previous games. We're going to start calling this the BBB uh, podcast. Bustin' Brands, we'll, we'll leave out the, the final <laughs> B uh, and, and let everybody figure I that out. I will not be watching any <laughs> pregame of TV for the next... That's okay. I go back and watch it myself. That's uh, that's what DVRs are for. So, uh, in any event, Blackhawks uh, in a huge hole here. We knew this was going to be a challenge when the Blackhawks drew the Vegas Golden Knights, whether it was them or the Colorado Avalanche. Um, they're just two different beasts from what we saw from the Edmonton Oilers. And the Blackhawks and their leadership group found a way to get past that for, uh, qualifying round to get into the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but again, when you're the low seed and you draw the top seed or one of the high seeds, these are some of the challenges that you are facing. And they are down two games to none. After uh, the off day Friday, they will get back at it with back-to-backs on on Saturday and Sunday. For those of you who listen to the radio, it's a 6.30 pregame on Saturday before John and Troy have the puck drop at 7 o'clock and, and Joe hey, shakes his and head. And hey, if, if we're throwing out plugs, uh, I will be hosting from 6 to 6.30 tomorrow. There you go. After White Sox Weekly. So Don't yes. ask me to come on, though. I'll be busy. All right? <laughs> that's that's fair. I yep. deserve that. Yep. Uh, and and then, I'll see if Conroy's available. Is it- oh, <laughs> Just kidding. 7 kidding. o'clock uh, puck drop on Saturday for game number 3. And then uh, game 4 will be uh, right back at it on uh, Sunday afternoon. And let's hope the Blackhawks can find a way to at least push this series. I think this would be a great thing for them if if they find a way to do that. Disappointing that they couldn't get it done in Game 2 when that uh, golden opportunity was there against the Golden Knights. Sorry, folks. And uh, let's see if they can they, they can make this five or six at least. We're all the goal is still to win a series, but um, you know we've seen the way the Golden Knights operate, and and right now you just want to you're looking to make it competitive. Let them fight a little bit if they're going to uh, advance and move on. So uh, we will see if the Blackhawks are able to do that in game Saturday and Sunday. By the way, that uh, game Sunday, never got around to it, will be a 5 o'clock pregame on 720 WGN, and John and Troy will have the call at 530. Any final thoughts to add here, baseball podcast boy? Uh, just just the fact that uh, game two seemed like it really could have been the game three of the Edmonton series, where it really could have been a swing game to really take the wind out of the sails of Vegas, but they did prevail that a big reason of that is because they're the better team so just keep that in mind Blackhawks fans that this is a very good Vegas team that the Hawks are up against um just one last shout out please listen to the WGN pregame 6 30 tomorrow now he's scrambling <laughs> nothing now. but information and entertainment with Chris Bowden and Troy Murray and listen to Joe Brand on sure if, if you feel like you should come around to it uh, Saturday at six o'clock Car- Mark Carmen and I will be hosting White Sox weekly before that if there's any Sox fans out there listening but uh yeah w- I will do the and your pre- Sunday mornings, pre-game. right Sunday morning no Saturday mornings oh, man so all right, all right. Now I don't feel now, so bad now now I get it back now I get it back after that so uh we will come at you again 
Um, if the Blackhawks extend this series, perhaps after Game 4, if they are unable to extend the series, we will come at you with a fresh podcast uh, probably uh, the next day or so once they are eliminated. I would imagine if it does come to that at some point next week, we will uh, hear from Stan Bowman, Jeremy Carlton, perhaps some of the players as things wrap up. But uh, let's let's not take it to that. Let's not have that mindset. Let's hope the Blackhawks find a way to uh, extend the series and, and make things interesting as they fall behind two games none to the Vegas Golden Knights in this first-round playoff series. I want to thank our producer, Curtis Koch, as well as Ernie Scatton. Thank you for listening as well. Again, uh, we'll keep you up to date on when we're coming at you next on WGNRadio.com. I'm at Bowden Tweets on Twitter. Joe is at, at Joe underscore brand one on Twitter. So, uh, again, we will put you on high alert for the next time we have a Blackhawks Crazy podcast coming your way. We thank you for joining us on this one. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!